We're continuing our series in the, the Word of God, and our series is entitled Anchored in God. The last couple of weeks, we talked about how we are anchored in God because God has uh, annihilated death, and death is dead. Amen? We're going to go for about three weeks into a, uh, the series theme is going to be chains. And one thing that God really desires us to do and to be is that we're anchored in God, anchored in his word, anchored in the truth of God, so that there are not arguments and opinions uh, that deter our mind, and there are not passions and emotions and obsessions that deter our heart and emotions towards uh, or away from God. We know that because sin entered the world, sin brought death. And what is sin? Sin is uh, active rebellion against God, active rebellion against his ways, active rebellion against the laws of God. And it's living a life that is without reference to God or have any regard for God. Isn't that something? That's what sin is. We, uh, we might have an idea that sin is this terrible, ter- the terrible, terrible, terrible acts that horrify us and scare us. Sin is just a heart that says, nah, whatever, God. Today, is our theme is going to be, what is idolatry? And it's funny when you think of idolatry because you think of a far-off country in the forest, in a hut, on the mantle, is this metallic or wooden creation of the hands that ignorant uh, people bow down to. Um, Not really so, is it? Idolatry is this act of ignoring God, trusting in created things rather than God for our hope, our happiness, our satisfaction, and our fulfillment. God wants to get into the the heart of the issue and reveal to us areas in which we prefer other things rather than God. See, when, when we were created, we were created with the ability and capacity to understand God fully and to have this relationship of intimacy with God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God, talked with God. There was this closeness, there was this this, uh togetherness, there was this fellowship, and there was this relationship. Sin came into the world, and what happened? Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. The amazing thing is that even though they were kicked out of of the garden, separated from God, God created them in the image of God. Within them was this tainted, stained, small reference to God and his character, and his nature. Isn't it something? They were created in the image of God. Romans chapter 1, in which we're going to read right now, speaks about this fact that even though uh, folks are stained and tainted in sin, they can know God and continue to know God as God has revealed to them. So let's flip over to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read... 
I told Amaris of verse 21, kid, can you go back to verse 18? That's my daughter back there. Thank you, kid, for serving. Everybody's away at camp, so she's doing a great job. Rose, who is the utility lady around here, jumped in as sound person, too. So why don't you give these guys a hand? Amen? Right? All right. Okay. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We pray, O oh God, that you'd bless it, that you'd speak to us. We need your truth. We are inundated with opinions and speculations of foolish, foolish people that don't know you and that don't have the wisdom of God. The voices we hear, O oh God, are loud. They're intrusive. They never, ever stop. But God, all through our existence and all through our lives, we understand that there was this still, small voice whispering for all time, calling us back to you, calling us back into relationship with you, calling us to a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. God, we thank you for your still, small voice, calling us and wooing us. So today, oh God, speak. By your power, speak to us, O oh God, about our hearts and our, our tendency towards creating idols in our hearts other than you. So we pray you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Have you ever watched American Idol? Okay. Um, that's a funny show because there's people. It's not funny. It's a great show. We see a lot of great talent. But the cry is that they would have success and have this opportunity to um, move in their giftings and move in uh, their talents. And uh, we participate in that. But what's, what's crazy is that a lot of these folks have an image of what celebrityism is, an image of what popularity is, an image that if I can just make it in success, if I can just make it to the top, my heart's cry and my intentions and my, my satisfactions, and I'll be totally, totally fulfilled if I, if I just get to this place, right, where there would be uh, popularity and fame and, and wonder. We all have created images in our hearts and in our minds, 
not carved out of wood, but carved out of the creations of our minds. We have all the great things in, in life that we can distort and that we can um, use against us, the very great things that God has given us, like money. Amen? You know, I said to, uh, I said to Steph, because I saw the commercial for uh, Publisher's Clearance House, and they're giving away $25,000 per month for the rest of your life. Isn't that something? And people look to that for satisfaction and fulfillment. But I, I said to Steph, Steph, uh, what would become of us if we received 25000 a month? We'd have a wonderful new church. <laughs> We'd have a wonderful new church. Amen. But I was thinking about my heart, and uh, if I would allow money to distort me, and if I would look to things to buy, materialism, that would kind of shift my focus away from God, and look upon money as something that would bring me fulfillment and satisfaction that I am not finding in God. Amen? You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. So when we look about money, I figure God has given me money so that I can use it for his glory and for his honor. Amen? And if I'm, if I'm controlled by money, then my, my soul is lost. You can't serve God and you can't serve money. It's got to be one or the other. And when we send the, the offering plate around and you're battling to give five bucks, you've got a problem, amen? If you're battling about giving 10 or 20 bucks in, that, in, that, in, in giving, there's a problem. God has given us everything. We have the opportunity to give everything back to him. Money. What about food? Food is an awesome thing. You know why? Because it keeps us alive. Amen? Um, food, for me, is also a thing that I go to when I'm stressed out and I'm anxious. Ice cream, everybody knows, ice cream is sin to me, okay? I go to ice cream uh, when I'm stressed and when I'm filled with anxiety. There's a lot of people that go to, go to food, a substitute. Instead of going to God. Amen. What about sex? Illicit relationships. God, you're not going to take care of me. I got to go out and get it myself because I don't trust you with my life. You're going to hold back on me. I'm not going to be thrilled with sensations and stimulations that you have created. I got to get it somehow and I got to go. Marriage is a wonderful thing. God has called us to marriage. It's an example of Christ and the church, this oneness of spirit. Amen. The happiest people in the world are married, go to church, have faith in God, and serve. The happiest people in the world. So we love, uh, we love sex. We love sex in the confines of marriage because it's ordained and it's empowered and it's wonderful. In the wonderful relationship of marriage, Christ loved the church, husbands, as we love our wives. Wives, submit to your husbands as Christ submitted to his heavenly Father. Verses, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submit out of reverence to Christ, one to another. Amen? So we submit one to another in our roles 
as husband and wives in this wonderful, beautiful relationship of submission. So we have money, we have food, we have sex, we have pleasure. Amen? How many of us don't like pleasure? I mean, come on. We love pleasure, don't we? But sometimes it gets out of hand to the point where we are pleased most in what pleases us outside of God. And God needs to come into our heart and say, whoa. See, what happens, as we've read from Romans chapter 1, is that if you've ever gone fishing, right, you know that you put out bait into the water, and that little fishy looks at that bait and says, oh, that's cool. That's something different. That's something alluring. That's something seductive. I'm going to go and get that. And I'm going to chomp down on that thing. And it's going to be life, and it's going to be food, and then boom, and then it's hooked. Amen? Sin always has a, an allurement to it. Isn't it true? Sin always has this seductive uh, power to it that causes us to give into it. But we never, never truly understand the full intent of the darkness and the blackness that sin can bring to our lives. Let's face it, folks. Sin brings death. Amen? And as believers in Jesus Christ, we should run away from sin as fast as we can. Flee from sin and those things that create something between our soul and our Savior. Isn't that something? So idolatry is this idea of allowing things to rise up above our passion and our our purpose in Christ Jesus. Idolatry. Um, The Bible says to reject God is to reject the greatest reality in the universe, the reality which gives the only true meaning, purpose, and understanding to everything else. Amen? Refusing to recognize God and to have his truth guide our minds, we, we become doomed to the futile quests for wisdom through various human speculations and human reasonings. And it leads to falsehood. The term speculation in Romans chapter 1 here, futile in their thinking, it means that it embraces all man's godless reasonings, right? And if you look around the world today, in politics and education, people are just insane, amen? Coming up with the craziest stuff that you've, you've never even imagined people would think and people would say. To forsake God is to exchange truth for falsehood, meaning for hopelessness, and satisfaction for emptiness. But an empty mind and soul is like a vacuum, amen? And something will come in and fill that empty space and bring darkness into our hearts and into our lives. The history of fallen mankind is not evolutionary, it's devolutionary, right? We become smaller. We become uh, encased in our sin as we uh, live without God. The great philosopher Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. Amen? Isn't that a great song? you got to serve somebody. Something will get your attention. Something will get your focus. Something in this world we will latch onto to try and find satisfaction and take away the hollowness of our lives 
But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Rivers of living water will flow out of our lives as we make Christ the supreme uh, one in our hearts and in our lives. Now, the heart is the control center of our heart and life. Amen? Um, The air traffic control center controls planes going in and out, directs them and guides them so that things will not crash and destroy and bring devastation. Isn't that true? And our heart is the control center of our life. And we know and have, have, have had experiences with the fact that we have made very, very poor choices in our lives, haven't we? We've made decisions that have brought pain. We've made decisions where things have crashed and brought devastation into our heart and into our life. We often relate the heart to emotions um, when we say he has a broken heart. The Bible relates it primarily to the intellect. Listen to what Jesus said. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. That's why you must watch over your heart or guard your heart with all diligence. It's the control center. Isn't it true? In a secondary way, the heart relates to the will and emotions because they are influenced by the intellect. Isn't it true? What we think about And what we ponder and what we muse over in our heads, normally the emotions will follow. Isn't it true? Like if I played Barry White up in this place right now, all of us would get in the groove, man. Low voice. Amen. Barry White, we'd we'd experience love. We've we've experienced the emotion of of passion. If I played uh, a heavy metal band, all of a sudden there'd be a surge of like bit of hostility and anger rising up in your heart. And in your life. Amen. Don't talk. Just listen. Okay, guys? Just listen. If you are committed to something, it will affect your will, which in turn will affect your emotions. In most modern cultures, the heart is thought of as the seat of emotions and feelings. But in ancient times, Hebrews and Greeks and many others considered the heart to be the center of knowledge, understanding, thinking, and wisdom. The New Testament uses it that way. The heart was considered to be the seat of the mind, the will, and the emotions, and it could be taught what the brain could never know. Emotions and feelings were associated with the innermost of our being, our heart. So my question to you today is, where is your heart? Are you controlling the things that are coming into your life, the things that are going out of your life? Is it controlled with this passion to understand that God needs to be number one in all areas of our heart and of our life? Because idolatry can creep in. I've never, I've never did it, but you could put a frog in water, heat it up, and that frog will just stay until it's boiled alive. Don't try it at home. I'm glad Zachy's in kids' church because uh, he, might, he might try it. But... I want to I say that this is what sin does to us. We think it's nice. We think it's cool. We think it's great. We get into it, and it begins to, to heat up, and we can't get out. And the bondage of sin brings death and destruction. I want you to think about your heart today. I want you to think about your life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, 
John the Apostle speaks about, guard your heart, my little children. Guard your heart from idols. Never has he spoken about idols before in the epistles or in the gospels. The the epistles of John were all about love and all about sharing love and all about experienced love in the body of Christ and loving one another. But he ends this, this epistle with this directive. Little children, guard yourself or keep yourself from idols. It's very telling. The word guard is, has the idea of a squadron that's protecting a base or protecting a fortress. And the enemy is coming in and surrounding it And they will die to the death to protect this base and to protect its people and to protect uh, what's going on in the war. So we need to guard our lives and keep them from evil. Do you know what's coming after you today? Do you know what's trying to sneak into your heart and into your life? Guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. Isn't it true? Jesus breaks every chain, the Bible says. We can be chained to the anchor of Jesus Christ and have this wonderful, wonderful life of freedom in God. Idolatry is a heart issue. And we as believers need to really, really ask the question, what is the top priority in my heart and in my life? Is it another person? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it my family? Is it something that deters me from loving God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength today? Idolatry. We carve things out of our minds, don't we? To try and bring satisfaction to our hearts. So grateful that Jesus Christ came to give us a new heart and a new mind that would love him totally and love him with passion today. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. And we want to look at our hearts right now. If there's something between my soul and the Savior, I pray, O God, reveal it to me. If there's something between your soul and the Savior, we pray, O God, that we would confess it, turn it over to you, And live our lives full of joy and wonder. Because, here's the thing, to the point that we don't have the joy of the Lord, to that point, we have an idol in our heart. Amen? To the point that we don't have, and to the degree that we don't have the peace of God, there's an idol in our heart that's blocking it, that's stripping the love of God. If you flip over to 1 John chapter 5, verse... 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who has been born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the world, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God. And eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Why does God direct us to keep our our lives from idols? 
Because when we have an idol in our heart, we cannot experience the true love and the true grace and the true power of God in our heart and in our life. We're going to take communion in a few moments. And I'm going to ask Daryl to get himself ready. It's a serious situation when we think of idolatry. Amen? I want you to think about your heart. Think about God. In any area of your heart, just allow him to be number one. Amen? Lift him up to that place. Ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you right now in the powerful name of Jesus. And allow him to lead you in the areas of money, food, marriage, relationships. In the area of living your life for purpose and meaning in God. And we pray that you would be blessed as you celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ and evaluate your heart. And express yourself to God today. He wants you. He loves you. That idol is blocking his love. Blocking his grace today. The freedom that you'll experience when you put God at the forefront of your heart and of your life. He loves you today. The love that drew salvation plan. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Don't let any, anything stop you from experiencing his love. Amen? Allow the grace of the Lord to mold you and shape you. As you take communion today, some of you might not want to take it because maybe there's sin in your heart and life. Now is the time to confess your sin. He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all sin and to make you whole, make you clean. Amen? Amen. So let's take communion with a heart of celebration, a heart of expression to God, and a heart of evaluation. Where we are with God, God wants you. Amen? Amen. And he loves you today.